Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Welcome to Facebook Live. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzel with Faith Fellowship Church. Coming to you tonight from my home in Taylorsville, Kentucky. Hopefully one day soon we'll be able to start having live services again on Wednesday just like we used to. For now we're just going to have to keep on doing it the way we're doing it and uh, keep having our Sunday services for sure. Uh, I spent some time in God's presence this morning, uh, praying for a few minutes, and one of the things I noticed is that God is still on the throne. Praise the Lord. There were no protests up there. There was no riots. There was no rebellion, no unrest. There was no COVID-19. Everyone seemed to be getting along. Everybody seemed to be pretty happy. And I got to thinking maybe, just maybe, if we did things down here like God does them up there, well, who knows what would happen. Hallelujah. But anyway, I noticed something here lately. Well, not just lately, but for the last uh, month or so, it seems like people just walking around angry. People just uh, impatient. I mean, if you've been in traffic, you've been at the grocery store standing in line or something, or maybe just going up and down the aisles, you, you may have noticed it. It just seems like People are just on edge. They just seem to be crabby all the time and uh, not demonstrating love. And I know based on our studies on Sunday morning on end times that this is one of the signs of the end. People are just going to be like that. And uh, uh, I listened to a couple of my messages online because every once in a while, uh, based on the comments, I want to see if I said what somebody said I said or said it in the way that they thought I said it and so I'll go and listen to some of my messages to find out and I realize every once in a while I even sound a little angry I don't think I am I don't feel that way I just get get that way sometimes when I'm preaching I get a little passionate or something but uh, I don't want to be an angry preacher I want to be a preacher of love I want to talk to people in love and not be angry or impatient and so it was just kind of an eye-opening experience for me but anyway, I want to talk to you tonight about uh, walking in love and walking in the God kind of love. Uh, there's a big difference, and we're going to find out what that difference is tonight. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 1, we're going to start with that. And then uh, eventually we're going to get to 1 Corinthians 13, which is considered to be the love chapter. But anyway, in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he's talking about spiritual gifts. But the one thing that caught my eye is right before... He started talking about spiritual gifts and spiritual endowments. He said something about a certain kind of love. So let's pick it up there in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. I'll be reading in the Amplified Classic Edition. It says, eagerly pursue, not just pursue, but eagerly pursue, and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. So he's saying that there's a, certain type of love that he wants us to eagerly pursue and to make it our aim and to make it our great 
quest. It's something that we should be striving for. And then he says, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments or spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. So in other words, prophecy is speaking uh, God's word to people, either through preaching and teaching or maybe just a divine word for somebody that comes directly from God. But anyway, God wants us to eagerly pursue, to, to make it our aim, make it our quest, a certain kind of love. But then he said to desire spiritual gifts, and it's not by coincidence. But let's take into account for a moment that word desire. It means to long or hope for, to exhibit or have a strong feeling or wanting to have something. Uh, some synonyms would, synonyms would include to ache for, to covet, to crave, to long for, to yearn for, to hunger for, to thirst for, to pant after. And this is talking about something you really want bad. And David demonstrated a strong desire for the things of God. God said of David in 1 Samuel 13, 14, he said, David, the son of Jesse, was a man after his own heart, someone that shall fulfill all of God's will. So David was a man after God's own heart. And I believe this to mean that David was seeking after. He was chasing after. He was longing for God's heart. I don't mean, I don't think it means that David's heart was like God's heart. David had things in his heart that God would never have in his heart. I think David had a strong desire for the things that were in God's heart. He wanted to know him and be like him. What he was really seeking was God's presence. He wanted to be in God's presence. King David said in Psalms 42 and verse 1 in the Passion Translation, he says, I long to drink of you, O God, drinking deeply from the streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. My longings overwhelm me for more of you. So this is that strong desire that we were talking about in 1 Corinthians 14.1. David was seeking after God's heart. He was a man chasing after God's heart. David was chasing after God's presence. He wanted to be in God's presence. And our opening scripture is actually an introduction to spiritual gifts and how they operate. But I want you to notice how it starts out. He says, let love first be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special endowments, uh, the special abilities that the spirit gives. And he was talking about spiritual gifts. But we're not going to talk about spiritual gifts this evening. I want to talk about something that's even more important than spiritual gifts. I want to talk about the very thing that empowers not only spiritual gifts, but everything in the kingdom of God is empowered by this one thing. And you might be thinking it's faith. He's got to be talking about faith, but it's not. Faith is important because, as you know, everything in the kingdom of God is received by faith. All the promises of God. I received by faith. The great apostle Paul told us in Hebrews 6, 12, that it's through faith and patient endurance that we inherit the promises of God. And the reason I said love is more important 
than spiritual gifts. And faith is because Paul also said in Galatians 5, 6, that faith only works by love. In other words, love is what empowers faith. And if you're not walking in love, you're not operating faith in love, then it's not going to work for you. If you're not operating faith and everything else in the kingdom of God for that matter, then your faith isn't going to work. You have to be operating faith through love. Uh, love has to be the motivating factor for everything that you want from the kingdom of God. And when you apply that love with your faith, then you'll start receiving the things that you're believing God for. If it didn't operate that way, and this is just a side thought, if it didn't operate that way, if faith didn't work by love, then that means that the devil and all the evil people in the world would be able to use it as well. Isn't God smart? Hallelujah. The gifts of the Spirit are list, listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and what chapters 13 and 14 contain is not by coincidence. He lists all the spiritual gifts in chapter 12, and uh, 13 and 14 are tied to those spiritual gifts. They're tied to chapter 12. We also have to study 13 and 14 in order to fully understand the operations and the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, the spiritual endowments from God. For example, the last verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, is verse 31, and it tells us to not only desire spiritual gifts, but to earnestly desire and strive for the greater gifts. One of them is prophecy. Uh, if acquiring them is going to be your goal. And yet, he says, I will show you still a more excellent way. One of the choicest graces and the highest of them all. And then he tells us what that is. Unselfish love. So it's not by coincidence that he's talking about uh, unselfish love here at the end of the chapter that lists all the spiritual gifts. He's letting us know up front that these gifts are not going to operate without love unless you operate them in love. Uh, it takes faith to operate in spiritual gifts. It's, it takes faith to speak in tongues and it takes faith to interpret tongues. It takes faith to speak in prophecy. Uh, and uh, matter of fact, prophecy is the same as tongues and interpretation. Uh, it doesn't take as much faith to speak in tongues. Uh, it doesn't take as much faith to speak, to interpret tongues, but it takes more faith to prophesy because that's both of them wrapped up in one. And so he's saying it's going to take faith to operate in the gifts, uh, the gifts of wisdom, the gift of healing, uh, all the different spiritual gifts that's listed in chapter 12. He said it's going to take faith to operate in those gifts. And how does your faith work? Through love. And so he's talking about unselfish love. So it's telling me there's different kinds of love in the world. And the highest of all these loves is what? Uh, even higher than the gifts, and that is unselfish love. And did you know that this type of love is a gift? Paul told us that unselfish love is a gift. It's not only a gift, but it's a gift that was given to us by another gift, which is the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, God is a giver. He loves to give gifts. And God's gift to the world is Jesus. And he's been given ever since. It's a gift that keeps on giving. You ever heard that, that phrase, the gift that keeps on giving? 
Well, Jesus is a gift that keeps on giving. God is a gift that keeps on giving. He's given us the gift of salvation, the gift of faith, the gift of righteousness, the gift of forgiveness. He gave us the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and this is what a demonstration of unselfish love is. Unselfish love is always giving and serving. It wants to give. It wants to serve. Uh, and uh, this unselfish love, like I said, is a gift from God. And just like any other gift, we have to receive it. A gift may be offered to you, but unless you receive it, it doesn't become yours. I can offer you a watch. I can offer you a handful of money, and I could hold it out there. But if you don't receive it, take it out of my hand, then it's not yours. And that's the way it is with God. God gives us all these gifts. He gave us the gift of healing. And he did that over 2,000 years ago. He's not going to give us healing anymore. He just gave us healing. And it's still ours today. The reason we're not walking in health is because we're not receiving it. It's already been given. We have to reach up with a hand of faith, operating in love, and receive what we need from God. So this giving is a demonstration of unselfish love. In Romans 5, 5. 5 5 keep getting my tang all tumbled up Romans 5 5 the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us God's a giver and we've been given the Holy Ghost but not everyone received him not everyone is operating in the Holy Ghost the love of God has been imparted into our hearts shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost but not everybody is operating in that love. And in the natural, we all have the ability to love to a certain degree. But this unselfish love is not just any kind of love. We're talking about the highest kind of love that there is, the God kind of love, the kind of love that God loves us with. There is no natural love of any kind that can even compare with it. This love has to come from God. And the Greek language distinguishes at least four different uh, words and four different definitions for the one word that the English language translated as love. There's four types. And there's actually more than that, but the four main types in the Greek language uh, is all rolled up into one word that we use, and that's love. Uh, in the Greek, you have agape love, eros, philia, and storge. And the English language incorporates all these Greek words and all these uh, meanings for love and definitions for love into one word. And that makes it hard for people to discern uh, the type of love you're talking about or the intensity of that love that we have for certain things. For example, if you said, I love my wife and I love pizza, I can't tell which one you love more because you use the same word for both your wife and the love for pizza. But in the Greek language, you wouldn't use the same word for love in both of those sentences. You would be able to choose a word that would uh, describe and show the intensity of your love for each of those things, your wife and the pizza. In other words, you'd be able to indicate to me that your love for pizza, at least I hope, isn't as great as your love for your wife. Uh, the highest form of love is agape. And it's the kind of love that God has for us. And it's the kind of love I want to talk mainly about tonight. 
Agape is used to denote feelings for one's children and or for a spouse. It's the greatest and highest form of love. Uh, and we would say, I love, I agape my wife. In the Greek, you can tell who you love more, your wife or pizza. You wouldn't say I agape pizza. At least I hope you wouldn't say I agape pizza. Uh, I, I love pizza unconditionally. I'm willing to die for it. Because when you say I agape my wife, that's what you're saying. That you love her enough to even die for her. To give yourself for her. You love her enough to serve her. And anytime you see a reference to God's love in the Bible, it is always referring to agape love. Anytime God and love is used in the same sentence, it is always the Greek word agape, the highest form of love, the unconditional love. It's God's love towards mankind, and it's always agape type love. Uh, I mean, I, I said it's a love that you'd give your life for, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He gave his life for us. And it's a word that used to, that's used to express the unconditional love that God has for his children, the, the unconditional love that he has for us. And, you know, unconditional love is hard. It's not easy to love like that. We need help loving people unconditionally because we always judge them. Uh, we always measure them, Pastor Flint. And, and uh, you know, we don't judge accurately. We don't measure accurately. And... Uh, so it's better to love unconditionally because we don't have to measure. We don't have to judge. We don't have to worry about where they come from, what they did, what they're doing. It doesn't make any difference because we're going to love them unconditionally. And that's the kind of love that God loves us with. And then the ancient Greek word eros, that means love that's mostly of a sexual passion. It's where we get our English word erotic. And the modern Greek word eratos means intimate love. So this would not be the word that you want to use for pizza. You might use it for your wife, but not for pizza. And then we have philia. It's an affectionate regard for someone. It's mainly used for friendship and usually between equals. It's a virtuous love without passion. Philia is expressed as loyalty to friends and specifically it's like a brotherly love. It denotes a general type of love used between friends. The city Philadelphia comes from this word philia, and it means city of brotherly love. So storgy, the last uh, word for love in the Greek language, it means love affection. It's common or natural love. It's something that everybody has. It's like a love that's felt by siblings, uh, towards one another or the love that you'd have for a pet. It's used almost exclusively for relationships within the family. And it can also be used when referencing the love for your country or a favorite sports team like I store Jay. I love the Cubs. And this is also probably the word that you'd want to use for pizza, especially if you're going to tell us you love your wife in the same sentence. But the type of love that we're going to focus on tonight is agape love, the God kind of love, the unconditional love, the unselfish love, the kind of love that God shed abroad in your heart when you were born again. You may not have realized that, but you received spiritual endowments. You received spiritual gifts when you were born again. God showered you with gifts, salvation, forgiveness. Uh, he showered you with uh, 
the gift of the Holy Ghost. He showered you with His love. That's why our nature changed. You know, old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We put off our old nature. We put on the new nature of God. And part of that nature is that God is love. Not that God loves, but that God is love. And that nature has been imparted to us by the Holy Ghost. But we got to walk in it. We got to use it. We got to bring it up. And, and sometimes you have to love people by faith. Amen. But turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to be reading in the Amplified Bible. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. We'll read verses 1 through 8. Uh, it says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love for others growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. Verse 2, and if, if I have the gift of prophecy, which is a gift of the Spirit, and speak a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but do not have love reaching out to others, I am nothing. Nothing. Without love, God says we're nothing. And then in verse 3, it says, If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, which is a noble thing to do, and if I surrender my body to be burned or used up or, or to become servant to somebody, but do not have love, it does me no good at all. It does nothing for me. Now, verses 4 through 8 tells us how love behaves, and it tells us the characteristics of love. Some people believe that this is the chapter that gives us the definition of love. Uh, I don't see the definition of love here, but I see what love does, and I see the characteristics of love. And uh, a lot of times when we do marriage counseling, one of the things that we'll tell a couple is to every night before they go to bed to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 in the Amplified uh translation read it every night read it out loud together every night before you go to bed that should be the last thing going into your spirit before you go to sleep at night and uh, you'd be surprised what it does for people once they get that uh, what love does and how love behaves and what love says and what love doesn't say uh, you'd be surprised how much it will help a marriage in verse 4 it says for example love endures with patience and serenity in other words, it's peaceful, it's patient. Love is kind and thoughtful, and it is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. This is what love does. This is what love is, the characteristics of love. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked nor overly sensitive and eagerly, easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It doesn't take into an account, uh, account a suffered wrong. Somebody does you wrong, you don't even take it into account. You just let it roll off your back like water off a duck's back. Verse 6, it does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. There's a lot of times we want to rejoice at injustice, you know. That guy passes you on the highway, he's doing 90 miles an hour and blows you off, cuts you off, and uh, 
gives you the finger and everything, and then you get up the road a little ways, you see him off in the ditch, and you see a cop behind him. Uh, tell me the truth. Now, you want to rejoice a little bit. And, and But he, what he's saying here is love won't do that. Love won't rejoice when something bad happens to somebody. But it will rejoice when uh, right and truth prevail. So verse 7 says, Love bears all things regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in everyone, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. It's a wonderful thing to have the love of God shed abroad in our heart when we know how to use it. Verse 8 says, and this says it all, love never fails. It never fades nor ends. But as for prophecies, one of the spiritual gifts, they will pass away. As for tongues, another spiritual gift, they will cease. As for the gift of special knowledge, a gift of knowledge, it will pass away. So spiritual gifts are important for this dispensation, for this church age. But they're not as important as love because all those things are going to end. All those things are going to pass away. But love never fails. It never fades and it never ends. So in other words, spiritual gifts, faith or anything else that comes from God is useless without love. We're useless without love in the kingdom of God. God said we're just an annoying distraction, good for nothing, a noisy symbol. So this passage of scripture is talking about agape love. That was a Greek word that was translated here. Agape love, the God kind of love, the kind of love that God loves his creation with. Agape love is the unconditional love. It means there's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And uh, no good deed and no sin can change God's love for us. It's unconditional. Agape love is a giving, serving kind of love. It's a type of love that makes you want to do something for someone. This kind of love is not based on feelings. Uh, normal, natural love is based on feelings. It's conditional. Uh, and there are feelings involved when you love like this but the feelings themselves are not the reason that you love. And some people love others because of what those people do or can do for them or how they make them feel. But God shows us that true love, agape love, has nothing to do with what you can do for me or how you make me feel, but everything to do with what I can do for you. How can I serve you? And how can I give to you? What can I give to you? This kind of love is a love that serves, and it's always by choice. You choose to love like this. And most people in the world think that love is a feeling, but that's not true. Love can produce feelings, but the feelings themselves aren't love. People think they're in love because they have feelings for someone, and that's great, but that's not necessarily love. That's why people fall in and out of love all the time. That's why they fall in and out of marriage, in and out of relationships all the time. They think love is a feeling, and the problem with that is when they don't feel that anymore, they think they're no longer in love, but you were never in love in the first place. You didn't choose to love that person. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Like I said, love can and does produce feelings, but true love is not motivated by feelings. 
true love, the God kind of love, agape love that we're talking about, it's a choice. You have to choose to love somebody with this type of love. I mean, how can I love someone if I don't know anything about them, people might say. Well, that's what unconditional love is. If you're going to love someone unconditionally, then you don't need to know anything about them, do you? Because when you know something about them, you're going to start placing conditions. Well, you know, I don't have nothing to do with them, and they do this. I don't believe in that. And all of a sudden, your love becomes conditional. But we want our love to be unconditional. We want pure love, unselfish love. And so we don't need to know anything about them, do we? Mm -mm. Not if you choose to love them. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to say this in a general sense, but I love people I haven't met yet. Why? How do I know I love them? Because I made that choice. I made up my mind a long time ago that I'm going to love people the way that God loves me, unconditionally. I'm not going to place conditions on how I feel for them or how I love them. And that doesn't mean that we become doormats and let people walk all over us, you know. But we are to love people unconditionally. And, and when people do us wrong, you know, love doesn't even consider us suffered wrong. Or people hurt our feelings or things like that. We don't take those into consideration. We walk in love towards them. And we forgive them. And, and now, truth be known, there's some people I have to love at a distance. But I can't place a condition on that love. I still have to love them. There's some people I don't really want to be around a lot, but I still love them. And I have to love them that way because that's the way God loves me. Uh, but with this kind of love, unselfish love, agape love, you can have bad feelings for someone and still love them. You can still love them when you've been hurt. You can still love them uh, when they don't love you back. You can still love them when you have no feelings at all, but you choose to love them. And, and why? Because the God kind of love, agape love, is not a feeling. It's a choice. And it's followed by giving, serving, laying down your life for another. These are the relationships that are always successful 100% of the time. I know you're wondering how I could say that. Well, uh, a lot of people say, well, marriage is 50-50. No, it's not. Marriage is 100-100. In other words, you give 100 all the time and I give a hundred all the time, and we will have a successful relationship every time. We think that walking in love is always having wonderful, warm, fuzzy feelings about everybody. And there are times when, you know, I wanted to push somebody down the stairs and tell God they tripped, but I didn't because I, was, I chose to walk in love with them. I chose to keep my mouth shut and sometimes even walk away. And if you choose to love someone, then when they make you mad or do you wrong or give you feelings that ain't all warm and fuzzy, you won't stop loving them. You might get upset. You might get angry at them, uh, but you won't stop loving them. Uh, is it easy? No. That's why God had to give us love from heaven. He had to shed his love abroad in our heart because you can't do this with natural love. You can't do this uh, with selfish love, uh, love of the flesh, uh, because your flesh should be talking to you the whole time. Let them have it. Don't let them get away with that. Tell them off. Punch them in the throat. That's what your flesh is telling you. But you keep your mouth shut. You walk away if you have to. But you stay in your love wall. Well, if you really love them, you wouldn't want to hurt them. Well, we all have strong feelings at times. But it shouldn't change our love for someone. Amen. Worldly love is fickle, fleshly. 
conditional, superficial, based on feelings. And that's why marriages and relationships fail. As long as you feel, make me feel warm and fuzzy, as long as you do things that please me, I love you. But as soon as the going gets rough or I don't get my way or I don't feel the same way about you, you don't make me feel warm and fuzzy anymore, I want a divorce. Amen. I want to get somebody else that's going to make me feel the way you used to make me feel. And, and you know, divorce was never an option in our house. My wife and I both came from broken families. And when we got married, we made a commitment that no matter what happened, no matter what we had to go through, we would see it through. We would do whatever it takes to be successful. And we would never use the word divorce. Our kids never heard that word in our house. And that's because it wasn't spoken in the house. Even if they weren't there, that word was never spoken in our house. And we just celebrated our 51st anniversary. And I can honestly say that we never, I'm not just saying this as, as a, a cute phrase or something, but we never used that D-I-V-O-R-C-E. We never used that word divorce. Now, my wife used words like murder, poison, smothering him, smother him in his sleep, things like that, but never divorce. And remember, I said love is serving and love is giving. And let me show you the greatest example of that. John 3, 16. Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's how you prove love. You give. And God gave us his son. That word world was translated from the Greek word cosmos. And a lot of people think that just means the social system or the, the world system. And it does in part. But the actual meaning of the word is the ungodly multitude the whole mass of men alienated from God and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. That's what that word cosmo means in the Greek. Uh, God so loved the, ungod the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men alienated from him and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. That's who he loved. That's who he gave Jesus to. And this is the world that God loved. It doesn't say that God loved all the good people or that God just loved the Jews or God just loved all the people that loved him back. It says God so loved the world, the unlovable, uh, the ungodly multitude, those that were hostile towards him, those that hated him, those who didn't make him feel warm and fuzzy. Those are the ones that God loved and he loved them unconditionally. And the apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans uh, chapter or verse chapter five verse eight. God demonstrated His love toward us. He displayed His love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when we were unlovable, when we when we didn't love Him back, Christ still died for us. He didn't wait for us to straighten our miserable lives out. He didn't wait for us to be good. He didn't wait for us to stop doing this and start doing that. He loved us and accepted us just the way that we were. And that's how we're to love people. And here's the amazing part. He loved us that way and he knew us. He loved us that way in spite of all the crazy things we do and the way we act and the things we did wrong. He still loved us. Why? He chose to. And there were times in my life 
when I did stupid things that I hated myself for, and yet God still loved me. His feelings for us never change. Even when he's not pleased with what we do, he still loves us. Even when we're not lovable, he still loves us, and he loves us unconditionally. He is a personification of 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 13, 4 through 8. And that's the kind of love that we can give to others only when we're filled with the Holy Ghost. And his love has been shed abroad in our lives. You can't love people like this with your natural love, your fleshy love. It just doesn't work. You have to reach down inside into your heart where that that love that God shed abroad there in your heart, the, the love that God put in your heart, and you have to pull it out and love people by faith with that kind of love. Amen. It's something you can't do on your own. You need God's help to do that. John 13, 34, and I'm getting ready to close. He says, I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So you too are to love one another. Now, this is the new commandment. This is the commandment for every born again believer, every Christian. The uh, Old Testament, the Jews had the Ten Commandments and then 642 or 40 something laws that were uh, spawned off of them, Ten Commandments, and they had to obey them all. Jesus said, I'm setting you free from that. All you have to do is walk in love. All you have to do is, is obey this new commandment and all the other commandments that the Jews strive to keep all those years. Uh, he says that they'll all be fulfilled in this new commandment that you love one another. But here's, here's what's interesting. The, the word love was translated from, guess what word? Agape. Jesus said, I am giving you a new commandment that you agape one another. Just as I have agape you, so you too are to agape one another. We ain't talking pizza here. We're talking about his creation. We're talking about his brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters. We're talking about God's children here. And he's very careful about how he wants us to love one another. The Greek word used here, like I said, is agape. And it wasn't there by accident. It's unselfish, unconditional, the God kind of love that we're to love one another. That's the new commandment. It's going to take some faith to do that. Amen. But that's why God gave us that kind of love. He gave it to us as a gift. Unselfish love is in your heart. Sometimes you just have to stir it up. It's in there. Amen. Love is patient. Love is kind. The first characteristic of love is patience and kindness just start practicing that in traffic at the grocery store the next time you're standing in line somewhere just remember love is patient love is kind it's not easily angered that'd be a good start for everybody but for a homework assignment how about we read 1 corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8 in the amplified version let's try reading it every night for the rest of the week all right God bless you. We love you. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you and praise you. Thank you, Lord, for all your wonderful gifts. Thank you for the mighty Holy Ghost, which is a gift, who shed your love abroad in our heart. Show us how to use this love. Show us how to walk in this love, Lord. Show us how to put aside our selfish, fickle, fleshly love and pick up the love of God and love people the way that you love us. 
and help us to demonstrate this love at the grocery store, in traffic, anywhere we are around people. You said love our neighbors as ourselves, and that word neighbor means nearby. So anytime we're nearby anybody, Lord, show us how to exercise this love and help us to walk in it. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you. It was good having you tonight. I hope you all are being safe and careful. We love you. We'll see you on Sunday morning about 1045. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.